What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the Self-Destruction Podcast, where we talk about lifelong learning, leadership, and innovation with the top minds in their fields today. Brought to you by SEAC, a global leader in lifelong learning and innovation. Check them out at seasiacenter.com. I've got all their details in the show notes. I'm your host, Dana Bluen, and this episode is an excerpt from a larger conversation I had with Howard Farfel, the president of Ken Blanchard Companies. Howard is passionate about lifelong learning and self-improvement. In this excerpt, we specifically talk about the ideas of self-leadership and the impact it has had directly on his life. We also get into how it can change organizations from within and empower individuals to reach their maximum potential. There are some really powerful lessons and takeaways in this episode, so sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. Howard, man, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad while you're here in Bangkok that you're able to stop by and talk to us, you know, especially about the things you guys are doing at Ken Blanchard. You guys are behind what I think are some of the, the more interesting training out there in the corporate world, especially self-leadership. And I'd, I'd like to jump into that with you. Yeah. Well, I think what we're, we're learning is uh, it's very important, obviously, and leaders are facing bigger challenges than ever. And uh, there's a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. And the more that you can have and be developing self-leaders who are self-sufficient, uh, know what kind of leadership style to ask for, uh, can be proactive, understand the various points of power they have, um, then, then an effective leader can truly turn over and delegate as appropriate to a bunch of self-leaders who are uh, feeling empowered and aligned with the organization. They understand the mission. Uh, so we teach people to, whether they have any uh, direct reports or not, we teach them how to lead themselves. That's really important. And also one of the things I, I've noticed from self-leadership, it's and about leading up and leading down, right? right? Managing your, your leader and their expectations of you, your expectations of them, as well as those below you and yourself. Right. And I think that's the, the main thing that Ken Blanchard is so uh, such an advocate of, is developing and sharing a common leadership language. Mm-hmm. So wherever you reside in the organization, at the very senior levels, or at the entry level where you've just started, you understand this common leadership language. So we provide that to self-leaders, um, and so they can actually assess their own kind of understanding and confidence on where they stand with each task. And they can use that language to talk about what development level that they're at and what leadership style they need. And their leaders are trained with the same type of language. So it cuts through all the uh, discomfort of not sure exactly how to say this, or I'm feeling uncomfortable, I might be embarrassed. It's like, hey, you know what, I'm feeling very D2, which is development level two, mm-hmm. which means I'm not very confident, I'm not really sure of myself, I therefore need a style two that is both supportive and directive, and you know, you, you cut through all that discomfort and just say, hey, I'm D2, I need some style two. And the, the language is there for both a leader as well as a self-leader. One of the things I love about that, that common language is it just makes it so easy to, to work across any level right. because you, you understand each other. Now, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur since, the 90s, but in the middle of that whole entrepreneurial journey, I spent almost a decade working for a large telecom mm-hmm. who th- they used you know, training and leadership modules that were not practical, like the self-leadership or the situational leadership. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very much focused on managing down only. Mm-hmm. And I, as an engineer, you're very self-sufficient, but you also you tend to approach things in a, a logical manner. So when you have someone using very consultant-like talk to you and you have no idea the context they're coming from, it's not a very practical thing for a large organization. 
And what's different about what I really like about the self-leadership is that you teach it all the way through the organization, but it's also practical. Like you can, I've, I've been talking to people who here at the, at the Blanchard conference that we have going on talking about, you know, they were able to learn self-leadership in a day and be applying it the next day and seeing results themselves. That's exactly right. So uh, before I came to Blanchard, I was a customer. Probably a story you hear a lot about businesses. And so it was the first leadership training model uh, that I ever went through that I felt like the next day, not only could I start to apply it, mm. I could share it and teach others. So yeah. teaching some of my colleagues, teaching direct reports, and like you said, managing up. Um, so it's uh, not a tagline that we actually use, but we think a lot about it. It's like, it's easy to learn and easy to apply and then easy to get results. Mm. And um, so that's, that's a, you know, you know self-leadership is based on the situational leadership to uh, approach. Um, we call it SL2. And what it's really, you know, I think most people feel like there's there's a good leadership style or a bad leadership style, or this person's a, a micromanager. And what I learned before I went through SL2 is I had somebody that I was working for, and I just, it was, there was so much, I was feeling this friction all the time, and it was because of this micromanaging feeling I had, and that was the only leadership style they had. And here I was, I thought, fairly confident and competent in, in the tasks. And when you have somebody micromanaging you, when you actually don't need any of their direction, it's a big leadership mismatch. Yeah. So what SL2 does, what self-leadership's all about, is knowing that depending on your level of confidence and competence and, and commitment, um, you need a different leadership style. So micromanaging or, or highly directive leadership is very appropriate at times. If you're a beginner and you mm. have no idea what you're doing, you're teaching me how to do a podcast, it's my first one, I want you to tell me exactly what to do, how to do it, how to speak into the microphone, whatever it might be. Yeah. If I've done this 100 times and you walk in and start telling me how to get, you know, turn on the sound, and all, it's going to drive me crazy. So being able to flex your leadership style, so there's four leadership styles, being able to understand what your direct report might need and then being able to actually do something about it mm. so that you create a match. Here's the need. I can match my leadership style. This person gets exactly what they need. Now they can be more productive, and it's a much happier uh, relationship between supervisor and direct report. Yeah, run us through those four styles so the listeners can understand. Yeah. So um, let's, again, start with uh, someone who's a, a brand-new beginner at a certain task. They come into their organization. Uh, they don't even know how to use Excel, but they're supposed to be a business analyst. So they are an enthusiastic beginner. And so they're, they're ready, they're all excited, but they have no idea what to do. So their, their manager needs to be looking over their shoulder and showing them, here's how you turn on the computer, first of all. Here's how <laughs> Excel works. Here's how you enter form. And, and so it's a very highly directive uh, style one. And that's what the, the first leadership style is about, being very directive. Um, after a period of time, they start getting comfortable with, with Excel, right? And they know how to do most of the formulas, but they don't know how to do macros. They start getting really frustrated because they're starting to get good at things. And they start to, realizing, start to realize, I don't know what I don't know. Um, and that's kind of when you're at development level number two. And you've kind of lost a little bit of, of confidence. You've developed a little, you know, you're not as enthusiastic as you once were because you realize this could be harder than I thought. Mm. Um, and that's where you need more of a, a coaching style, right? Yeah. So a coaching style is about let's provide some direction but also some support. And supportive behaviors are things that encourage you um, to, to, that you, you're gonna make it, things are okay. I'm gonna give you a little direction, but you know what, you're doing better than you realize. So that's kind of a, a supportive uh, or a coaching style, right? So some direction, some support. Then you go into development level three where actually you're starting to feel um, you're more capable, your confidence is a little bit wavering, but you kinda know what you're doing now. And that's where you really just need support. Right? I don't need a whole lot more direction from you, but I just need occasional reinforcement shows me you're supportive. So we call that the supporting leadership style. Yeah. And then the fourth one is what we all 
are ready for and love, when you really know what you're doing, you're a self-reliant achiever, you just need a delegating leadership style mm. where the leader maybe checks in with you once a week just to make sure everything is okay, but they, you know, it's, it's really hands off and uh, you've, you've earned that and that's when you are matching it with a, uh, a delegating style. And one of the things I know, because you work, Clint Blanchard as a company works all over the world. Right. With companies in every stretch of any every corner of the world. We have mm -hmm. people here from Serbia mm -hmm. at this conference. We have people from, you know, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, mm -hmm. everywhere, all over Asia. And I'm sure every listener out there has had a situation where they've had a boss who has never got past that first level of leadership. So no matter how competent you are at your job, you're the person you're reporting to is stuck in that L1, mm -hmm. that first level of micromanaging. How often do you see that? Or how often do the partners of Ken Blanchard see that out there in the training? And how tough is it to deal with someone who's maybe been a supervisor or a manager for 40 years still at that L1? Yeah, it's, uh, it's out there a lot. As a matter of fact, we've done research that shows what a small percentage of leaders can actually flex across all four leadership styles. Mm -hmm. I think it's literally something like two or three percent of leaders can flex between all four leadership styles. Uh, and there's probably about 50% of them that are stuck in one leadership style. It may not be the micromanagement one, right? It might be, if you think about it, what's the easiest one is to delegate. So uh, that's where I'm stuck as right? an entrepreneur. I've always been stuck at that delegation stage. Yeah. I've never micromanaged or coached. Right. And I, I've been stuck there. Yeah. So that's, uh, and that can be as, as frustrating as somebody who's micromanaging, right? Mm. So I'm brand new. I really need help. Guess what? My, my uh, supervisors left me alone. They went on vacation. They're not even checking in and you're stuck at your desk. You don't even know what to do. Mm. So delegating, you know, when, when you're a, a beginner as, as a receiver of that delegation is as frustrating as being micromanaged. Yeah. So I think that's what we find. And that's why this is so powerful and practical is that most leaders, um, it's not intuitive to flex and be able to um, move across leadership styles. Yeah. And most people have gotten in the habit over 10 years or 20 years, or even in their first year of management, of kind of going with their strength and knowing that the, you know, here, I'm good at this, I'm gonna keep delegating, or I'm gonna keep micromanaging and not even recognize it. So it's a common issue, and that's why I think our, our stuff is so powerful and works all over the world. Now, a lot of the testimonies I heard, especially the first day here, people talking about, people who aren't even customers at Ken Blanchard, who are at the, the first kind of Asian expo on leadership, next generation leaders, were blown away by some of the stories that they were hearing uh, especially uh, Carolyn from Cochlear, who was uh, on the panel that I moderated here. Uh, some of her stories about you know the way they roll it out and they use the situational leadership to improve operations all over the world. Right. And that's a company who's a leader in their space. They make the the implants. Right. Right. And, and they're using situational leadership across the entire market. Right. And I think that's what uh, when Ken Blanchard you know, uh, co-developed this whole theory. Uh, I think uh, little did he know how effective it would be across cultures, yeah. across regions, or the content is translated into all local languages and in the countries that we're in. And uh, there's a lot of questions sometimes like, well, Western management styles are very different than Eastern and Latin America is different still. All true, mm -hmm. you know, there are some localizations, but situational leadership too and self-leadership that goes with it, um, it, it just makes sense uh, and it, it just applies to human nature no matter where you're from. So while there might be some, some modest changes, when we actually are working with an organization that's multinational, they need to scale it, they need to use a common leadership language mm. across all their different uh, countries, like Cochlear, um, 
it's been just kind of a, a sure a surefire win for them. I think that was one of the most powerful stories that I heard here was how they they're essentially in every country in the world. Anywhere where you're doing surgery on ears, they're there. Yeah, and this works. Yeah, with sh- and she was saying this is essentially eighty percent of the program is always the same, and they address twenty percent for local contextualization. Right. That's yeah. a huge eighty percent. Yeah, it's it's huge, and even the the contextualization localization is is often minor and mm. and easily done. But the the model itself, the framework doesn't change, mm. and all the things we've been talking about in terms of you know whether it's micromanaging or delegating, all those things remain the same. And that's as in true as true in Australia as it is in Los Angeles as it is in Bangkok. Mm. And um, human nature, you know, comes into play. And uh, while there's different relationships sometimes between a new entry level and a senior executive, the idea that matching a leadership style based on the development level of an employee is going to work when you do a good match and your organization is therefore going to be successful. It's not just to be nice. It's not just to uh, make employees happy. Mm. This is to actually, you know, uh, be productive, um, uh, generate a more motivated workforce, yeah. highly a highly engaged workforce, and in the end, that translates into results. Whether it's revenue growth, profitability, whatever you're trying to achieve, if you're matching leadership style, if your self leaders are asking for what they need, um, you're going to see it at the bottom line of your your organization. Well, as as someone who has an engineering background, I've always approached human problems as an optimization issue, and I know it's a crude way to put it. And people who are like intuitive leaders hate that. Yeah. When I talk about how do I optimize this workflow or how do I optimize these people's job, intuitive leaders or intuitive business people hate that, but other engineers get it. And one of the things I've noticed, and I'm sure you're going you're gonna to kill me for applying engineering language to Blanchard, but situational leadership, self-leadership, and not just that, but Ken Blanchard's kind of overall concept that leadership is partnership is, is a very intuitive term for optimizing people i'm not going to kill you okay I think that's okay <laughs> I, you know it, it's funny you say that because I, I i have a, a naturally i think analytic approach and mindset and i found this because there is a a matching there's a, a diagnosis piece that, that uh, comes on first and then there's a prescription that goes with that diagnosis and it feels to me it's it's practical like you said and and kind of analytical and it does it optimizes the, the end result, because mm. you're getting people who are feeling more empowered, aligned, getting the leadership style they need. So it, it is kind of a, maybe I wouldn't call it optimizing people, but it, it is optimizing the, the, the productivity of the workforce mm. when this is done well. Yeah, maybe not. I, 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 I also hate op- <laughs> the term of optimizing people, but I, I would say that what the programs are doing or what the methodology is doing, helping people optimize themselves, yeah. which I think is powerful when it's someone doing it to themselves, doing it on their own. That, that's a powerful position to be in. Right. And that's what's so powerful about self-leadership. It's yeah. one thing to train leaders, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's helping uh, accelerate the, the, the development of others. But uh, to put it in the hands of the self-leaders to understand how they can optimize their work experience and their productivity yeah. by, by understanding enough about the leadership language that they can ask for what they need and they can also know when they are fully empowered because they are at a, a development level four and things are being delegated and they can charge full full steam ahead. Mm. And it's very motivating. You've been listening to the Self-Disruption Podcast brought to you by SEAC. 
To find amazing resources on lifelong learning, leadership, and innovation, you can check them out at seasiacenter.com as well as their links in the show notes. And for more great conversations like this one, you can find our archive at selfdisruptionpodcast.com. 